It's Daily Thunder, booming out the truth of Jesus Christ from the Ellerslie campus in Windsor, Colorado. To learn more, go to ellerslie.com. So this is uh, in the midst of an event where I'm doing the first four episodes of my new series, Life and Leadership Lessons from Teddy Roosevelt. And so technically, even though this is going to be released a week later uh, in the podcast feed, it is immediately following. So it's interesting because in doing an event of four different uh, episodes simultaneously, to me, they sort of have one theme. And I'm building a globular message at the same time I'm giving individual pieces. And it's the development years of the life of Teddy Roosevelt. It's what makes him who he is, which we've already established in last week's message, The Cure for the Weakling, that it was actually through trial, tribulation, and difficulty and extreme suffering. This was, this was like not a small level of, of difficulty. This was an extreme level, not just for him, but for his parents. And yet the resulting impact, as you will begin to see in this man's life, is what makes him a world changer. So uh, here we are with uh, part two, a buffaly, a, a buffaly, a bully buffalo hunt. Now, one of Teddy Roosevelt's favorite words was bully. And uh, he uses it sort of like bully. And I'm not going to define it. I want to see if you can figure out what it means. I mean, that's just part of the, the fun in this. So I, it's a bully buffalo hunt. So the Wild West, which really does exist in this time of Theodore Roosevelt's upbringing, and it's going to be in existence basically from 1803 to 1890, and that has to do with how the westward expansion is taking place and how they are encouraging people to go into this undefined territory and state claim to property. And so it's, but it's a territory that doesn't have the normal governing uh, powers of the United States of America. So it's a wild territory. And the territory that we're going to go into is called the Badlands. And there's a reason why it's called the Badlands. Uh, and which is the part that Teddy Roosevelt's going to head into is actually now North Dakota, but it wasn't North Dakota at the time. It was the Badlands. William Hazelgrove from his book, Forging a President said in 1881, Billy, the kid had been gunned down and the gunfight at the OK Corral had taken place. Then in 1882, yet another notorious outlaw met his demise when Jesse James was murdered by Bob Ford. Things were settling down, although the Apache renegade Geronimo was still out there and would not surrender till 1886. Indians and settlers were still fighting it out with massacres and murders on both sides. And in 1883, a man could still go into the Dakota Territory and find buffalo if he had a guide. So this is precisely where we're at right now, is Teddy Roosevelt can't seem to help himself. He's this vigorous young man that still has asthma, has his spectacles, and yet he wants an adventure. He has tasted something that when he goes on adventure, it doesn't make his asthma always go away, but he's learned to defy it, and he's not letting it define him. And so he has a craving to go and hunt buffalo. I don't know if that's a normal, everyday, sane craving, but, you know, such is the life of Teddy Roosevelt. So 1883, 24-year-old Teddy Roosevelt exits the United States and enters the Badlands. Why? To hunt buffalo, of course. 
William Hazelgrove says, if someone had asked him why he had gone west when he was about to marry, could you imagine he's engaged, about to get married, and he leaves to go on a buffalo hunt, he would have replied that he had come to shoot buffalo and see if the myth of the Wild West still existed. What was the Wild West this well-to-do man hoped to find? Was it the Wild West of dime novels and legend? Were the Indians still out there? Geronimo, Sitting Bull, Custer was dead, but his legend lived on. The railroad ran to the coast now, yet the legend still lived in a young man brought up to embrace the vigorous life, which seemed to demand going to the last great frontier. So the plan, show up in Little Missouri, which is a town, it's not in Missouri, and meet the whiskery old man, Frank Vine. The directions. So this is the directions that he's going to go into literally the middle of nowhere. And that's not an exaggeration, guys. We're going into the middle of nowhere. And he's to take a train to Little Missouri in the Badlands, which is now North Dakota. He's going to find Pyramid Park Hotel. It's adjacent to Big Mouth Bob's Bug Juice Dispensary. (laughs) To look for the whiskery old man named Frank Vine. Tell Vine that Commander Goring recommended the connection. And he'll find you a guide to go hunt buffalo. So here's the conversation between Frank Vine and Teddy Roosevelt. What in the blazes do you want, Frank Vine? And now Teddy Roosevelt says, well, my name is Theodore Roosevelt. Commander Goring recommended I speak to you about shooting buffalo. Frank Vine says, he did, did he? Smelling money is the, uh, <coughs> the thought of everyone in history of why Frank Vine became nice all of a sudden. Well, then come on, you can sleep in the bullpen tonight. And Teddy Roosevelt's response was, bully. Okay, remember, I'm not defining what bully is. You need to figure it out as we go through this. William Hazelgrove says this. Roosevelt followed the swinging suspenders hanging from both sides of the man's legs. They mounted wooden stairs, boots clunking in the night, gruffly vine, guided the young man upstairs where men were bunked in a large room of cots with blankets. It was a bullpen of snoring cowboys and drunks and traveling souls. Here was the myth of the West, a room full of cowboys bunked down for the night. One can only imagine that Roosevelt was beginning to see reality and myth becoming one. He was, after all, the pampered son of a rich New York aristocrat, and here was adventure coming alive. William Hazelgrove continues, the denizens called Little Missouri, they called it Little Misery, but to Roosevelt, it was the perfect Wild West town. The railroad raided it one of the roughest on the line with the nearest sheriff 150 miles to the east. Could you imagine being in a town where the nearest sheriff was 150 miles away and the nearest U.S. Marshal 200 miles to the south? Men were on their own to settle scores with Colt revolvers, Winchesters, fists, knives, arrows, pipes, and bricks. Forging Teddy Roosevelt. This story, we have so much detail about this buffalo hunt, which is amazing to me. But he's going to go on this buffalo hunt when he's 24 years old, and this is going to define him. You guys are going to get to know Teddy Roosevelt very well through this buffalo hunt. He's in pursuit of one single buffalo. That's all he wants, one buffalo. William Hazelgrove says, in reality, there weren't a lot of buffalo left in 1883. The mythology pushed by newspapers back east and by men like Goring suggested the West was teeming with these animals. But the government had encouraged the Sioux to slaughter buffalo, and recently 5,000 had vanished on the east side of the Badlands. Kill the buffalo and you kill the romantic nomad Indians was the rationale of the United States government. There were so many rotting, hideless carcasses left cooking under the Badlands sun, it seemed impossible there could be any buffalo left. The telegraph companies had joined in the slaughter when they realized buffalo liked to rub against the telegraph poles to relieve their fly-infested hides. The poles eventually fell. So now there was the government, the Indians, and the telegraph companies shooting buffalo as fast as they could. 
William Hazelgrove said this, the trick was to find that elusive lone buffalo. He needed a man who could find the creature, and Joe Ferris was such a man. So we have a buffalo hunter, guys. Uh, his name is Joe Ferris, and he's going to be our guide. And he's going to run into Teddy Roosevelt. Uh, this is quite the combo package. So Hazelgrove says, Joe Ferris was short, Canadian, and built like a bulldog with a drooping cowboy mustache that hit a tight-lipped mouth. He was the same age as Roosevelt, but he didn't take to the man with glasses and the strange nasally accent. The man imploring him to find a buffalo seemed like uh, just another rich man come to claim and bring home his part of the Western myth in the, buffalo, in the form of a buffalo head. But the dude, that's what they used to call him, anyone from the East, but the dude had money, if nothing else, and Ferris agreed to help him find his buffalo. Ferris and Vine decided a good base camp for the hunt in the Badlands would be the cabin of the Scotsman Gregor Lane on the Cannonball Creek 50 miles up the river. So the Badlands... The place no one should find beautiful. Temperatures ranging from negative 40 to 116 degrees. Who in the right mind would ever hang out here? So here's some quotes in history of the description of the Badlands. This is a legendary description. It's hell with the fires out. Okay, that should be enough to scare us all away, right? General George Custer said, worthless country. Frederick Remington said, a place for stratagem and murder. And Teddy Roosevelt says it's a bully place for adventure. Isn't that great? I mean, that is quite the contrast, but it's a mentality as well. Readying for the adventure. So Bill Merrifield is the one that has some horses to rent. Uh, and the ranch, he's a rancher in the Badlands, but he refuses to rent his horse to Four Eyes. No, sir, we don't have no horse to sell you. So Hazelgrove says, Roosevelt had beaten back his asthma and graduated Harvard a rich man's son, but he was sickly in the era of muscular Christian men. His skinny frame, glasses, chronic asthma, and undiagnosed heart condition made him an unlikely cowboy, but he at least needed a horse. Teddy's antidote would be simple. He would handle this the way he did his chronic illness as a young man. When through unremitting, strenuous activity, beginning with weight training, boxing, rowing, and hiking, he put himself to the test against every physical challenge he could find. This had included a grand tour of Europe with his parents, which nearly put him under from asthmatic attacks, and a strenuous hunting trip in Maine. Teddy Roosevelt had begun to practice, quote, his policy of forcing the spirit to ignore the weakness of the flesh. This man's mentality is very intriguing to me. If something basically would be challenging to him, he wants to try it. But you shouldn't do that, Teddy. Now I want to do it. So if he's not supposed to do it, now he really wants to do it. Teddy Roosevelt, here's a quote from Teddy. There were all kinds of things I was afraid of at first, ranging from grizzly bears to mean horses and gunfighters. But by acting as if I was not afraid, I gradually ceased to be afraid. Now, I don't know that I can back that biblically. That's an interesting quote there, right? But what an interesting mentality this guy is toting around. It's just sort of like, yeah, I'm scared of grizzly bears. Yeah, I'm scared of uh, horses that might be mean and, you know, you know, these bad gunslingers out there. But I'm just going to act like I'm not afraid of them. And that's what he does. And it, I have to admit, it worked for him. Teddy Roosevelt, another quote. We cannot avoid meeting great issues. All that we can determine for ourselves is whether we shall meet them well or ill. Amy Carmichael, and many of you have heard me give this quote over the years. It's a great uh, statement. Two men looked through prison bars. One saw mud, the other stars. 
we're going to have difficulties in this life. Prison bars are a difficulty. But when you look out those prison bars, there's two ways of looking, down or up. Some of us look out of prison bars and we see mud. Some of us look out of prison bars like Teddy Roosevelt and he sees stars and he cries bully every time. He gets into the worst scrapes, the worst situations, and he gets excited. Most of us, to be honest, struggle in those moments. We struggle to have the right attitude. We have to work through and process through the difficulty unto a positive attitude or a position of faith. So back to the bully buffalo hunt. Teddy Roosevelt, in response to the fact that they won't rent him a horse, he says, well, then I'll buy one from you. The strenuous life, pressing forward in the moment you least want to press forward. Now, this is very important to me. If I'm going to circle something in this whole series that is very significant for me, is that there are points in my life where I don't want to keep going in a certain direction because there's pain there. There is unpopularity there. There is greater challenge there. And the Christian system of my day, for the most part, actually encourages me not to go. What I love about Teddy Roosevelt is he violates the systems of his day and he moves past this point. He has a doctrine in his head. It's a strenuous life. So if I don't want to do it, that's where I'm going. I'm going to keep going in the directions because I'm going to beat back this body. I'm not going to let my body define what my potential is. I am moving forward to change the world. Candace Millard from her book, The River of Doubt, said each time Teddy Roosevelt encountered an obstacle, he responded with more vigor, more energy, more raw determination. Not exactly sure if that describes us. But what if it did? What if it said the church of Jesus Christ, when we encounter an obstacle, respond with more vigor, more energy, and more raw determination? So here's a discussion between Roosevelt and his buffalo hunter guide, Ferris, Joe Ferris. And I covered up Roosevelt's final response because I want you guys to be surprised with what he's going to say. Roosevelt says, do you think we'll see Indians? Ferris says, might. Better hang on to your scalp. What does Roosevelt say to that? Uh, how long does it take to get back to town? I'm not really that interested in this. Here's, here's Roosevelt's response. Bully. That's what Roosevelt says. A different sort of man. One that refuses to give up. The Wild West has never seen anyone like Teddy Roosevelt. This guy doesn't fit in. He sounds different. He looks different. Everything about him doesn't fit into the Wild West, and everyone's making fun of this guy. And yet, by the time he leaves, everyone is standing in awe. William Hazelgrove says this, The truth was that there just weren't that many buffalo left after the slew had slaughtered most of them on the plains, and the open cars of the northern Pacific had proven such a wonderful platform from which people could shoot buffalo, leaving them to rot in the sun. But here was this thick-spectacled New York dude who wanted a buffalo. Fine. They would find a buffalo or give up when the dude had had enough. Joe Ferris had found after a few days in the Badlands, people started not to care so much about finding their buffalo. They wanted to get out of the sun or the rain or the wind or the biting cold and back to their nice, cozy lives. And this dude would be no different. Joe was sure. Teddy Roosevelt said this, by Jove, this is beautiful. He's speaking about the Badlands. Egad, <laughs> it's good to be out here. Bully, just Bully. Everyone else hates this territory. And that's Teddy's response. After staring across the rocky, desolate moonscape of the Badlands while it broiled under the 100-degree midday sun. So here's the first morning on our buffalo hunt. 
Driving rain pounded upon their little cabin. Joe Ferris advised that the hunt not begin in slippery, muddied conditions like this. It's pouring rain outside. So our buffalo hunter is going to say, yeah, we probably shouldn't start today. Teddy Roosevelt's quote back, nonsense. We're going hunting for buffalo. It's, it's pouring rain out there. This is a guy from New York. He doesn't, he's not even from around here. Nonsense. We're going hunting for buffalo. William Hazelgrove says, with the same grit and determination Roosevelt used when fighting to breathe and conquering his fears, he would face the Badlands. At 6 a.m., they mounted up and headed into the steaming, streaming rain to find, finally find a buffalo. Hunting for buffalo was strenuous and could be deadly. The land and weather were constant hazards that could turn against a hunter. Joe Ferris couldn't believe it when Teddy put mud on his face like a Lakota Sioux preparing for battle. So they didn't get a buffalo on day one, guys. Sorry to let you know that. But, you know, he's, he's ready to find it and he's willing to go out in the rain, but they didn't get one. So days two through five, nonstop rain. Joe Ferris hoped the man from New York would just roll over in his blankets and pull out one of his books. The hammering on the roof foretold of misery outdoor, outside the door, and Joe kept looking for something to slow the dauntless spirit of Teddy. Because every day, it doesn't matter if it's raining, and it would turn into what they would call a gumbo mud. And so the horses' hooves were like, you know, make their way through. Misery! There was no other way of describing it. And every day, instead of, you know, rolling over in his bed, pulling up his blankets and saying, hey, let's just stay in today. Every day he was ready to go. And Joe Ferris, who's the seasoned buffalo hunter, the rugged character, cannot believe it. This guy still wants to go out? Returning at night after another fruit day fruitless, all save misery, Teddy's grin was still there. Being apparently built in and ineradicable ineradicable. Every day Roosevelt insisted they go out and every night he returned with the toothy grin. Lincoln Lang, remember they're staying at uh, his dad's house. Uh, and so Lincoln Lane is going to be just a young man at this time. And so Roosevelt's staying at his house. He's going to write memoirs of this situation, which is one of the reasons we have a lot of information on this. But this is one of the things he said about uh, Teddy and Joe's relationship. He nearly killed poor Joe. <laughs> Because he was relentless. He's after a buffalo. Why else did he come out here? Joe, what's your job? Is to help me find a buffalo. Day six, the rain finally stops. So I'm going to just go through this as fast as I can. The gumbo mud turns to dust now. I mean, there's no normal in the Badlands. It's either gumbo mud or dust. 105 degrees outside. They spot a buffalo. They follow after they closed the gap, they army crawled through the sagebrush to get within 300 yards. Teddy's hands were covered in thorns. Teddy takes a shot, hits the side of the buffalo. The buffalo sprints off. Ferris and Roosevelt jump up on their horses and gallop after it. They find the wounded buffalo as the sun is setting. They get within 30 feet because of uneven terrain, can't get off a good shot. They take a shot and miss. Oh no, the wounded buffalo charges Ferris and Roosevelt. So here's Roosevelt. My pony, frightened into momentary activity, spun around and tossed up his head. I was holding the rifle in both hands and the pony's head, striking it, knocked it violently against my forehead, cutting quite a gash. Heated as I was, the blood poured into my eyes. So I'm going to continue here. 
after a few near-death escapes from the charging buffalo, they scare the buffalo away with another missed shot. The sun is now down, and they don't know where they are. They need to make camp in the middle of nowhere, exposed to the wild animals, horse thieves, and Indians. They hadn't had water for nine hours in the hot sun. They had, had, one, they had one hard horn biscuit apiece for dinner, and Roosevelt was grinning ear to ear. This is what he says, with his head covered in blood, bedding down under the open night sky with his saddle as his pillow. Bully! 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 What a ride! What a show! Their horses, in the middle of that night, their horses ran off in the middle of the night, pulling their saddle pillows out from under their heads. They spent the rest of the night running down their spooked horses. When they finally got back to their camp and laid back down to sleep, it began to pour rain. In the morning, they were soaked to the bone. This is Teddy Roosevelt's response, waking up soaked, thirsty, and lacquered in blood. By Godfrey, but this is fun. Day seven, sighting the buffalo yet again, army crawling, shooting and missing, then to add insult to injury, it rained all day long. How are you guys doing? Are you continuing on your buffalo hunt? You see, what we are called to in Christianity is exactly like this. And what the prescription is from the experts in Christian living that have gone before us is they say, and when you get into that buffalo hunt, it's going to get challenging. But I want you to consider every challenge the greatest joy. I want you to cry out along with Teddy Roosevelt, by Godfrey, this is fun. And yet we aren't wired that way. We haven't been trained that way. We have been trained to complain about our asthmatic conditions instead of respond to them with a strenuous life. We have been trained to pack our bags or to roll over in bed when it's pouring rain outside. And we have not cultivated the hardiness of soul to endure challenge in our life the way we see Teddy doing it right here. Joe Ferris, bad luck followed us like a yellow dog follows a drunkard. (laughs) That was Joe Ferris's quote years later. William Hazelgrove said it this way, Joe's horse nearly stepped on a rattlesnake and Nell, Teddy's horse, stepped into a hole and sent Roosevelt into a cartwheel. He had just remounted when Nell found a trap of quicksand on the earth and left beneath her. They pulled the horse out with a lariat and continued on. Joe had figured any minute Teddy would throw in the towel and catch the next train east in Little Missouri, but he was wrong. Joe Ferris said this, he could stand an awful lot of hard knocks and he was always cheerful. You just couldn't knock him out of sorts. Teddy Roosevelt, quote, this is upon arriving back uh, at the Lang cabin. Remember that long night? They finally get back the following day. And this is what Teddy says as they're going to bed. If this is a movie, you know Joe Ferris is whispering. He's like, there's no way he's going back out. I mean, he has blood streaming down his face. I mean, he's not in good condition. This is what he says. See you bright and early in the morning. So this is, I'm going to call this the Pauline cocktail. Okay, so we're seeing something mixed together. It's quite profound. And that is, we are seeing actually the commission of Paul and how we are to live in our Christian lives being modeled in a bully buffalo hunt. And so in the red, we're going to see more of the challenging dimensions. In the green, we're going to see those things that are the cheer or the smile on Roosevelt's face. So 1 Corinthians 9.27 says, I discipline my body and bring it into subjection. That's the strenuous life right there. Your body is not going to rule you. Your cowardice is not what defines your 
action. Second Timothy 2.3, endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. So we understand that we are soldiers and we're going to have hardship. And so when we have that hardship, we endure it as a good soldier would. So how does a good soldier endure it? Now we go green. Philippians 4.4, rejoice in the Lord always. Day one, when it's raining. Two through six, it's raining. Seven, gash in face, sleeping in the open air. Saddle pulled out from under your head in the middle of the night. Wake up soaked to the bone. By God free, this is fun. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say, says Paul, rejoice. 1 Thessalonians 5.18, in everything give thanks. Well, what about the gash? What about the, 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 the pouring rain? What about the gumbo mud? What about, you know, you could keep listing things in this story. Yeah, that too. Give thanks for that. In everything, give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. So the time most people pack their bags, not many make it to day eight, let alone make it their shouting, there is spelled wrong, bully. See, Teddy Roosevelt is not just making it to day eight. He's making it there in style to the point where I am deeply convicted because this is just a buffalo hunt. And yet I gave up in this buffalo hunt. And I don't like the fact that I gave up in this buffalo hunt and Teddy Roosevelt didn't. I don't want to give up in my buffalo hunt. If I've come out to find a buffalo and God's given me assignment, I want to finish that. Tamerlane, some of you have heard me quote this in the past, great quote. So he was a famous military leader and tactician back uh, in the 14th century. He said, I was once forced to take shelter from my enemies in a ruined building where I sat alone many hours. Desiring to divert my mind from my hopeless condition, I fixed my eyes on an ant that was carrying a grain of corn larger than itself up a high wall. I numbered the efforts it made to accomplish this object. The grain fell 69 times to the ground, but the insect persevered in the 70th time it reached the top. This sight gave me courage at the moment and I never forgot the lesson. Robert the Bruce has a story about a spider web and the spider is going to fall, I want to say 99 times, and it's going to come back up and build his spider web and never give up with a bully attitude. The 69th attempt in the ruined building is often the most difficult one because when we get done with the 69th, it's the 70th one that you're going to succeed. But have you ever noticed that you oftentimes will give up and forsake it right as you're about to break through? And that's like the seventh night in the Badlands. It is often the most difficult one. Day eight. But guess who's still on the buffalo hunt? Teddy. Sighting the buffalo. Teddy Roosevelt says, there below me, not 50 yards off, was a great bison bull. He was walking along, grazing as he walked. His glossy fall coat was in fine trim and shone in the rays of the sun while his pride of bearing showed him to be in the lusty vigor of his prime. As I rose above the crest of the hill, he held up his head and cocked his tail in the air. I put the bullet in behind his shoulder. Sorry for those of you that feel bad for the buffalo. William Hazelgrove says, and then Teddy Roosevelt did a war dance. He whooped and shrieked around the dead buffalo with his rifle held high like an Indian celebrating his kill. Joe Ferris says, I've never saw anyone so enthused in all my life. The impact of the bully attitude. So Gregor Lang is the one that's housing them. Remember, his son Lincoln is the one that's going to write the memoirs years later. But remember, he's just a 23-year-old, 24-year-old guy. 
He's not the president of the United States. He's not the hero of San Juan Hill. He is simply an everyday guy from New York that came out to hunt buffalo. He has glasses. He talks weird. Very smart guy, but everyone is shocked by this. And when he leaves, he said this to his son Lincoln as Roosevelt galloped away from his cabin after the eight-day buffalo hunt. Gregor Lang said, he is the most extraordinary man I have ever met. I shall be surprised if the world does not hear from him one of these days. So there's our young Teddy Roosevelt uh, in the, his Badlands adventure. Isn't that a great picture? So here's my Teddy Roosevelt question, number two. Is your current buffalo hunt bully? Probably all of us in here are on a buffalo hunt right now. And we, some of us are like, yeah, he signed up for his buffalo hunt. I never signed up for mine. You know, God gives us special buffalo hunts. He wants us to enjoy them. Not all of us are really in the mood for a buffalo hunt. Is your current buffalo hunt bully? How do you respond to the gumbo mud? How does your soul process being soaked to the bone, thirsty, hungry, bruised, and bleeding? Do you have a give up day? Oh, I, you know, on day three, if we haven't found it, I'm, I'm giving up. I want you to test your soul to see if you have a give up day. Because when we are doing the work of the king, we actually are not supposed to have a give up day. We're actually supposed to persevere. We're supposed to overcome. That's the entire idea behind the grace of God at work within us is that we don't let go of the rope. We keep holding on. All right, Teddy Roosevelt, quote number two. And this one is on embracing difficulty with a bully attitude. Teddy Roosevelt said this. I wish to preach not the doctrine of ignoble ease, but the doctrine of the strenuous life, the life of toil and effort, of labor and strife, to preach that highest form of success which comes not to the man who desires mere easy peace, but to the man who does not shrink from danger, from hardship, or from bitter toil, and who out of these wins the splendid ultimate triumph. Father, I ask that you would plant these truths deep in our soul and that we would be freshly inspired on our buffalo hunt, that we would not allow the rain, the gumbo mud, the gash on the forehead. We would not allow these things to deter our spirit, man, that we would be robust in our joy, that we would be the happiest people on earth, for we know you, and you give us the grace to overcome and to thrive in all circumstances. We want to consider our trials pure joy. Lord, we love you, and we ask for this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Daily Thunder is a listener-supported production of Ellerslie Discipleship Training. At Ellerslie, we are laboring to rouse the Church of Jesus Christ out of its lethargy and build brave-hearted Christians for such a time as this. If you'd like to learn more about Ellerslie, our discipleship programs, or support the ministry financially, please go to ellerslie.com to learn more. Thanks for listening.